Hello, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, the podcast where myself and a few of my friends get together and discuss nerdy things. Just a reminder, if you like what you're listening to, please subscribe to Seriously Pointless Conversations' YouTube channel, or you can find us on your favorite podcasting apps. Thank you for your support. Without you, none of this would be possible. Thanks for coming by. Now let's get into the episode. Hi, and welcome to Seriously Pointless Conversations About Culture, your Seriously Pointless podcast about all your nerdy geek things across time and the empty void, brothers and sisters, which is as a thought. I totally messed that intro up, but... He who's the gate and the key. That he is right. the threshold. All the hail... black goat with a thousand young. All hail the old ones. <laughs> Today, guys, if you haven't figured it out, uh, James and I are going back to the tabletop realm. We did quite a few video games the last couple uh, episodes, so year. I think, yeah, pretty much the whole year. It's time uh, to mix it up a little bit. We're going, we're going freestyle up a bit, you know what I mean? Um, so we're going to go into one of my favorite RPGs, and actually, um, it's a good alternative that we've been playing for a while uh, to uh, Dungeons & Dragons or, uh, you know, 5.0 and uh, Pathfinder 2.0, uh, the Call of Cthulhu RPG. So, yes. um, in particular, we've played what the seventh edition. Yes, in, in, in there's a million editions that are very, very similar to each other. Well, so don't. Start we'll get into it in a little one. bit, but this 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 uh, setting is actually almost as old as D and D, which is interesting. Um, yes. It's about a decade younger, but it's comparatively. It's one of the older, uh, well, oldest, oh, for sure. old, older is, settings that they have. Of course, while. based on the works of H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, obviously. Um, as opposed to D&D, which is mostly ripped straight out of Tolkien, though don't tell the Tolkien Foundation that. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure they lost a lawsuit to that effect. Uh, I, I, I would believe it. You can't really put a uh, put. You can't really slap a trademark on elves and doors and stuff. I mean, I, you can't. I mean, it's been beaten to death. But before we get into the squiggly tentacle goodness, James, uh, what have you been up to, man? Because I, I mean, we we've, we've had a little bit of a stretch here, so I, I've mostly been working my butt off. It's not been great. <laughs> Is that how you are? I'm going to call you your Mr. Workhorse. I've been a workhorse. Thanksgiving was punishing. I, but the question is, do you all need to stop getting sick? Do you, good, do you look good in the doctor's coat, though? I do. I cut a, I cut a nice fit. Damn right you do. I do. I'm going to say, I'm going to point this out. So our listeners, we don't have any video of stuff, but uh, shout out to James. He's been, he's, he's been doing great. Been losing a little weight. You're looking trim, as I would say. Good. I like that. Sexy. I appreciate it. And so you're, you're turning all the nurses' heads as they are. <laughs> I don't know about that. But... <laughs> turn on my head. That's all you need to turn. <laughs> but other than, other than work, no, um, what have you been doing in I played Sea of Stars, but it's probably been like a month since I actually played yeah. it. We just took a trip to Mexico, actually. That's probably oh, the most recent fun thing. about la, three weeks ago. Viva la Mexico. Yes. We got the uh, sixth floor suite, so the top Ooh. floor suite. And we had like a little infinity pool overlooking yeah. the ocean. You could just see, um, oh, Playa del Carmen. We were in Playa del Carmen, and you can just see the island out there. Nice. And it was uh, one thing I particularly enjoyed is that whenever the sea breeze and the wind, like the afternoon storm, started kicking up, yeah. the wind cuts across the front of the hotel. Okay. And since we're on the top level, all of the seabirds, like the hawks, everything, they bank right in front of that building. Heck yeah, And they cool. keep going up. So at one point we had, I think, six hawks, two falcons, like two seabirds wow. and a pelican, all making circles around this pool. And they're cutting out in front of our little infinity pool, like 
10, 20 feet away from the bar. And you're just sitting and there. And we're with... just sitting there. I'm sitting there with a beverage in one hand. It's it's drizzling on us because, of course, it's oh, raining yeah. lightly, but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there drinking and watching the birds. You're four deep already. You don't care at all. It's fine. And it was <laughs> it was a lovely week, I have that, to say. I Dude, I 100% understand, man. I, I told Jackie, whenever the kids get old enough, I, that's the first thing on my list, or even maybe in a couple of years, because I know you guys have invited us down there several times. And I think in the next couple of years, once once Stephanie's old enough, we are 100% going to take you up on this because I am dying for <laughs> vacation without kids at this point in my life. I love my kids, but you know how it is. It's just like, it's kind of like going on vacation with your parents. You're just like, it's not the same. It's mm-hmm. different when you go with friends and stuff like that. But but yeah, I, I cannot yeah. wait. You, I know you've taken my uh, my brother-in-law and my sister with you guys a couple of times and they They've had a blast, so I I look forward to this to immensely. So, but yeah. But other than that, you know, you did you did Sea of Stars and um, your yeah. trip on vacation. Did you do? Have you had a chance to watch anything or chill or? Uh, we've been watching a lot of this season's anime. Okay. And one we're going to watch for our next episode. Yeah. Uh, Free and Journey's End is, I think, by far the best thing nice. that came out this season. Check it out. Um, we've been referring to it in my household as the sad show. <laughs> it's it's just wonderful to watch. So. <laughs> Sometimes the best shows make you feel things. Yeah, it's it's about an elf mage who is part of the hero's party, mm-hmm. but the hero was a human, and so he died. Okay, well, don't. don't. He, of old age. Don't, don't, don't ruin it too much, because no, we're, we're going to talk episode. about it next. We'll talk about it next episode. Next yeah, episode, yeah. really good. Um, Goblin Slayer has gotten another season, so Goblin Slayer season? season two. Okay, so season two. It is been pretty cool. It's... It's half focused on Goblin Slayer and half focused on like some young heroes. It's kind of like training the next generation. It's been okay. a lot of it. I'd be down with that. Uh, that one's been pretty good. I liked that series. That was a pretty good series. Yeah. Came up. But it was, that's a long hiatus between the first and second season, though. Yeah. A lot of those things that came out like right before COVID, COVID they, yeah. their, their development cycle got interrupted. Like hardcore. Yeah. Um, Magus Bride has another season coming out right now. Ooh, I told Jackie and about then, that. Uh, Doctor Stone has one too, though. I've got to say, Doctor Stone is—I don't know—it's—it's it's losing its magic. Like the it, second, so when they get to, so how are you? Are you all caught up? Um, I got through the first half of the second season. I have not watched the second half of the second season. So you're talking about where they got to the island and everything. I got to where they got to the island, and he had like just broken open the time capsule and was getting caught, and we okay. haven't watched past that. It's just kind of—that's where I'm at too. They've yeah. hit like this point of momentum where. The early part of the series was fun because they had to like work work for each bit of progress. Yeah, and they've hit kind of the snowball point where everything just kind of magically happens. And yeah, and you're just kind of like, eh. It just it's lost its magic. It's not the same anymore. No, it's it's yeah, it's kind of where I'm kind of at. I'm like, it's fun, but I'm like, it's on a back burner. I will probably wait until the rest of the se- the second season yeah. comes out, and then I'll probably watch it eventually. But it's that's on definitely on the it's back. It's like burner. they're trying to have that victory moment three times a show, like three times an episode. Yes, and it's just like it, you no. guys didn't earn this. I don't. I don't feel it anymore. It's they're they're they've turned on the spigot on full blast as opposed to letting it drizzle out a little bit here and there. It's become like an all worship the god of science type show. Yes, and it's. Instead of like at the beginning, it was like the triumph of mankind's ingenuity, and now it's like, isn't this great? It's like, no, it's, that's not how not. I feel about that. So, anyway, how about yourself? What have you been up to? Oh, my goodness, I think you were um, saying you've been playing Doom Eternal lately. I so that's what I did recently. I find so a part of me was telling, was saying to myself, Man, Dave, you I haven't played a, I haven't played a shooter in so long, so. I was looking around on on Game Pass because I was like I don't really want to pay for anything right now, 
And I'll be honest with you, I really wanted to buy Baldur's Gate, but I just can't bring myself to pay that much, especially since I know they're probably going to release an expansion pack for it at some point. If they don't, they're morons. Um, and I'm sure they're going to bundle all up, with, bundle that all up within the next year or so, and have it on discount. Mm-hmm. And I will probably buy it then, um, like I do with most of my games, and then I can sink 180 hours into it. That definitely looks like the type of game that people have been sinking obscene amounts of time into. I know, which I, that makes me feel really good about it. But and fun fact, I don't know if you saw the Game Awards. Uh, congrats to them. They game they won Game of the Year at the, at the Game Awards. They this deserved year. it. I mean, 100. percent They they made, they made a game so good that the developers of other RPGs were posting on Twitter that people shouldn't have that sort of expectations about their game. Exactly. And I'm like, wow, that's a flex right there. 100. <laughs> percent Dude, they cleaned house though. They they pulled. I think they got best art direction, best uh, performance in a game by one of their actors. There was a bunch of stuff they won. I mean, the only person that came close behind them was like Alan Wake. They won like two awards. But surprisingly, like Starfield didn't win anything. Spider-Man didn't win anything. Spider-Man 2 didn't win anything. Yeah, It was was kind of amazing the amount of like, they just cleaned house this year. But anyways, um, I'll probably get that at some point. Uh, But other than that, I, the first, it's been a while since I've done this, James. I paid $60 for a game. You bought a new game? I did. But I, I mean, I buy new games, but I, I can't remember the last time you paid full price. Do you know game. what it was, though? What was it? Super Mario RPG. The oh, remake. the remaster. I've been thinking about whether I want to buy it or not. It is. I will let you borrow my Switch if you want to play, dude. It is 100% worth, 100% worth it. Dude, okay, so it's not even... I Dude, I have played more... So normally when I played the old one, I would get to the end of the game and I really wouldn't do any a lot of the in-game content, like where you re-go back and replay some people or yeah. fight some people. Again, dude, they have added so much stuff. They retextured everything. Mm-hmm. It's all, you know, uh, and that's still that like that 2.5D style. Yeah. And... Isometric. Yeah, and um, on top of that, they, it's all... They, they've up the graphics, obviously. They've put in some stellar cutscenes in there. You have like this little gauge now yeah. that you can build up, and you can build super. They're called superstar mo- or triple moves, is what they call or triple oh, moves. Cool. And so it depends, and they're all different depending on who's on your team. So mm-hmm. um, plus they put a ton. I mean, a ton of extra in-game content in there. So I've actually been. I beat that, and I'm actually. Uh, I beat the the game a while back, and I'm actually replaying and going through and getting all the extra like. Um, Fighting all the extra bosses that they that they have the end. basically they take some of the old bosses and then they just up the difficulty quite a bit and some of them are actually decently hard. Have so. you fought like the Xenon guy yet? Yeah, I actually beat him once. So once you can beat him once and he's a regular two D, right? Yeah. You have to once you beat everything, everyone, all the extra guys, you can go back and fight him again and he's three D and he is like almost like three times as hard as he was the first he time. It's pretty brutal the first time. <laughs> exactly. I'm telling you. It's they've added a lot to that. I might have to actually get that then. It's so the main game definitely is not super duper challenge. It's definitely it's you have to think a little bit obviously here and there, but I don't think I ever lost a a battle. Like I don't think I ever lost a battle just going through the main storyline. The first time I actually like had my party faint on me 
was the some of the in-game content. The first time ever. I mean, even playing it as little kids, it wasn't that bad. Yeah, no. I remember we kind of got stuck on the Pirate King back in the day. Johnny Jones, yeah. Yeah, Johnny Jones was kind of rough for us back in the day. We were a little under-leveled, but other than that, it was pretty easy. Yeah, I mean, as long as you stay leveled, you're fine, dude. And I kind of did that. I kind of ground ground a little bit. But I was like level 24, 25 when I fought Smithy. That was fine, dude. Oh, yeah. There was a couple little things I had to do. I looked up some strats a little bit, but nothing crazy. So played that. Been playing with that with uh, Lewis and Marcy. They actually watched me play it. They're they're on a, they're having a ball with it. So oh, wonderful. So Lewis counts the uh, times I jump on uh, people with Mario. So oh, so oh, there you go. guess what? It's educational as well, kids. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I've been doing. Um, what else have I watched? Oh, uh, I've powered through all of Vinland Saga the first season. Yeah. Again, it's the second time watching it through because I haven't, I, I forgot about it. And when we watched it last time, I was like, uh, I was like, I kind of want to watch this again. So yeah. I started watching that again. Um, it's been on the background when I've been working at, mm-hmm. here at home, having a blast with it. That's, that's a good time. Um, mm-hmm. Cause you don't really have to pay a ton of attention, but when you do, it's, it's good. It's usually at the gory bloody parts, but, <laughs> but, yeah. but anyways, um, so that's what I've been up to. So now, I guess, um, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into no, I think let's start with the, the yawning void, as it were? Yeah, and Cthulhu as an RPG is something I find interesting. I mean, why? So, well, so first of all, we started playing this game with you. Yeah. Uh, David is doing our dungeon mastering currently, and we're doing like a little Cthulhu section. It's fun yeah. because it's... Uh, it's a kind of a grounded fantasy as opposed to D&D, which is high fantasy, and it's a fantasy mm-hmm. world, a total fantasy setting. Cthulhu, we usually play it like in the 1920s version, yeah. which is kind of like the classic call of Cthulhu. Yeah. And it's historically grounded, which makes for interesting role-playing because everyone is kind of working from the same you know, fantasy in their head. So I think for our group, at least, it's made much more interesting role-playing. But uh, the other thing, though, is that as a fantasy, it's such a inversion of what we commonly think of. Like, for example, this is kind of like the whole Cthulhu mythos. It's like, we're Christians. So even if the world sucks sometimes, we believe that ultimately, you know, we believe in a God that yep. is ordered towards love. And ultimately, there's a point to all this. Yes. H.P. Lovecraft turns that on its head. 100%. The world is fundamentally pointless. Yep. Your suffering is not only without merit, but it actually hastens <laughs> the end of the world. Yes. It's like, uh, it, it's not it's not even as good as a totally godless world would be. In fact, the universe is trying to kill you. Yep. And that the very knowledge which enables you to beat back the darkness is corrupting you inherently. Yep. Like it's from the it's mind so, with some from the mind of a man with some severe mental issues. Yes. It's like <laughs> all in the world of Lovecraft, all knowledge, whether it's scientific or spiritual or anything, is inherently corrupting. Yep. And the pursuit of such is what is going to end the world. And the very tools you use are working against you. And it's uh, it's the sort of thing that's fun to dabble in. I don't think we could play this like for months and months and months. It would be a sort of spiritual cramp, I think, after a while. Uh, 100%. So this is why you, you call on me, because definitely this is definitely my wheelhouse. So this is definitely like Hellboy adjacent, which is why yeah. I love it so much. But I like, sorry, that's just, maybe it's, I have a bit of like a, bit of a dark part of my mind that I just, it just, this just tickles and touches it perfectly because I think everyone does. I mean, Oh yeah. Is, and is, I love that. It's though. the dark reflection. I mean, everyone likes to think about it. I know a hundred percent. 
and the but it's it's it, like you said it's that it's that it's that fact of like is there a point to like all this and like is there a point of even just trying and i kind of like i try to weave that in through the storyline and I, you'll see as we go yeah. along in the, in the story that it's just like you kind of you can tell like i'm, I'm going to start irritating people probably at, certain, <laughs> at a point, certain point which is good why which I'm is looking a good, forward to it which is a good which is why like you said there you can only play these sessions i can't imagine doing this for an entire year no, it would be it would be so rough, but um, so crushing, a hundred percent. But I think the first time we actually played this, we just did a we've done a couple of one shots. We haven't done like a, a five or six shot yet, so I don't yeah. I don't know if the whole group realizes what they're in for. Yeah, like in one shot format, you know, it's kind of like oh, we something bad happened and we fixed it, and it, it's it's heroic fantasy adjacent still, even if it's a dark setting. Yeah. I, I suspect there's not going to be happening heavy in this one. What are you talking about, James? What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, it's like I, in Cthulhu, the best thing I can hope for is a pyrrhic victory. I can amend the ending. You can have a happy, a happy birthday ending, and everyone can be happy. Just no. maybe not the happy you're thinking about. I want to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> Let me suffer. Please. I mean, because this is what Cthulhu is, though. This is yeah. the this is the dark daydream. It's the nightmare. Yep. This is the. The thing when you're laying in bed at night and you're scared for your life and you're wondering, is there actually a point to things? Like this yep. is this is the nightmare we tell ourselves. Yeah, it's it's the it's the fear that you can never see. Yeah, that's why it's so it's so tantalizing and so interesting, but it's also the most terrifying thing you could possibly think about, right? Yes, that's why I love it to death. So, anyways, so let's do a little background on um, the Cthulhu RPG. So. Obviously, we like we said, this is a uh, a horror fiction role playing game based on H.P. Lovecraft's story of the same name, and it's associated with the Cthulhu mythos. So it's a um, RPG that's been published published by, and I'm going to butcher this, uh, Chaosium, 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 and it was first released in 81, 1981. I have to say that for people now, and I, I say 81. I just assume that people think 1981. <laughs> I know, right? Just goes to show. This thing, there'll be some schmuck listening to this podcast 100 years from now. They, yeah. Oh, I wish it was clearer. <laughs> Much clearer. Gosh. <laughs> uh, made in 1981, and it's actually, uh, we're what we're playing right now, which is in the 7th edition, so, um, but it's been licensed across the world, obviously, um, and it's and it's obviously one of those um, basic uh, horror genre uh, 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 uh RPGs, but it does have a few tweaks here and there that kind of make it a different than your standard D and D thing. So yeah, this is what I would call cosmic horror. Yes, it's where the entire universe is an inherently horrific thing. Yes, as opposed to like a vampire horror where yeah, there are vampires, but the good guys still win in the end. Yeah, or a slasher horror where you know there's someone doing brutal things, but again, they lose in the end, and the good guys win. Yeah. I was trying to so I can spoil this for the last campaign that I had with you guys. I was trying to kind of gently, kind of like move you guys into that realm a little bit by having the vampires with mm -hmm. the, with it. But I also had like the sanitarium, like when you guys went to the basement and there was like just an entire just it was just bodies like they've been chopped up and like sewn, like kind of taken yeah. apart, things like that. And I was kind of trying to like feed that in a little bit, but I was just like, this is not quite there yet. I'm like. Do I, and plus, that's the downside of doing a one-shot. I was like, I can't go full ham hock on this. But I feel like I feel like with this, now that I kind of stretched it out a little bit, I can kind of like 
feed these things a little bit more for you guys. Dial it up a little bit each week, and people will kind yeah. of feel it creeping up on them. Well, you yeah. felt it a little bit last week, uh, last time we played. It, it's it's just so tangentially there. Yeah. Um, right now it's working in the background. Yes. And I have a feeling that, I don't know, I have a feeling that a couple of the people that are playing with us, they're not going to like this as much. I, I believe so. I, I think Jackie <laughs> and Tara are going to profoundly dislike this once they realize what exactly it's about. I know. She thinks it's fun and fancy, but like, and they're like having fun. But at some point, it's like, I'm going to start ratcheting it up, especially tomorrow. Um, I'm kind of start cranking it in a little bit, and they're going to start not liking it as much. Um, but hopefully by the third episode, I might have somebody look at me like, why do I have to do this again? <laughs> do I have to play this play this game again one more time? Well, and that's part of the fun of doing something like this. That's also like whenever we play Paranoia and I'm yep. doing it and I'm actually doing it well. Yeah. It's like when you can feel the pressure on your psyche, that's when you know that it's in the zone. I mean, yes, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So. I, I, like I said, I put the nice, friendly little old lady there for you guys to play around with. Oh, who's yeah. Part alcoholic, whatever. But, anyways, so. I'm just waiting for her to, like, you know, try and stab us and carve the old lady into our chest. No! Or something. She would never do such a thing. She's a good person. James. She's a good person. She's okay. a good person okay. that you know of. Anyways, so, um, <laughs> obviously, like we said, so this was, um, this is all based on HP Lovecraft stuff. And, and it's, it's based on the same name, but. Primarily in the setting for this, you can really have the setting anywhere that you want in the whole world. I've seen so. This is something I really thought was really interesting. I actually saw a module for some of the uh, newer stuff, um, uh, the seventh edition. They actually had one based down in Australia, which is kind of cool. I thought so. Australia would be cool, but yeah. yeah so there's a lot of wilderness the, out there, so it'd be different than like England. I know what setting. even New England at that point. Yeah. Um, a lot of these settings get stuck in New England, New England uh, which is where like lot of the Dunwich Horror and a lot of stuff are, yeah. are, are it set It tends at. to be urban or yeah. or like rural town type things, but yeah. not like really wilderness because people are kind of evil here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is 100. So let me ask you this though, James. Like, if you were to put up a setting for this, see, I've done a couple um, kind of like smaller towns, um, and this is probably the first big town I've done. Where would you want to, like, would you, if you, James, if you had the option to build your own Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu campaign, where would you put the setting at? Hmm. I don't know. I have to think about it because it would depend on what type of thing you were going to be doing because, I mean. There's so many, James. Well, because the, the usual thing with, uh, with Lovecraft is that, you know, knowledge is the source of the danger. Yep. Whether it's a small town or not, like uh, like the Innsmouth Horror, for example, yep. he's a eldritch being you know, looking for knowledge, and so he leaves his small town to go to the university, and that's where he gets found out. Yep. But, um, I mean, a university would be a natural setting for it. Mm -hmm. uh, you could do, like, in Italy, like, somewhere, like, in the church would be interesting. That would be interesting, yeah. Though that's kind of been over. I think at this point. Yeah, a little bit. So um, I would love to maybe do a university, like an old English, like boarding school university, might be interesting. You know, I always thought would be a really fun place to do would be like either the Middle East or India. Yeah. For some reason, because that's not a setting that we've really played in all that much. We've we well, specifically us, but I think it would be really really fun because it's outside of our wheelhouse. 
And it also give me an excuse to really delve deep into that culture a little bit more. India would be interesting. And I guess the question, too, is that would this be from the perspective of natives or would this be perspectives of, like, the East India Company? Like, we would be playing the British. Yep. And then it would be kind of through the lens of, you know, the cultural... You're outside. It's you're you're outside kind of like of fish look, outside fish, of looking in fish out of water kind of thing. Yeah, it would take a fair bit of sensitivity to do that well, but I think it'd be very interesting. Oh yeah, you have so, to really research that one. Yeah, hundred percent, because that is definitely like an area of the world that I'm not that familiar with. Mm. So it'd be really interesting. So, but yeah, I, I don't know how much, but like the primarily, obviously, um, they do do they do like to stay. Yeah. I think in what New might England be things like I think that, what so. might be fun would be do like a boarding school type situation yeah. or a board school thing in old England where you are students starting like your secondary or tertiary education and things are happening on the college campus and you're trying to like uh, like join an organization or something like kind of like a rush week type thing and you get pulled into something terrible that's been going on. I can see that, yeah. You mean like kind of like a mazes and monsters type? Something like that, yeah. Have you seen that movie at all? I have not. <laughs> Tom Hanks, actually. Tom Hanks, really. He came out in the early 80s. It was an anti-Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh, man. Have you never seen this? I've not seen that one. My mom bought it for us whenever we were, whenever I was like in high school. Because, or I don't know, maybe she got it. Did she do this intentionally? I don't know if she did intentionally, <laughs> but it's basically so Tom Hanks plays this kid, he starts playing the, the dungeon, you know, the stereotypical Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. And at some point, he kind of starts to lose touch with reality. Oh, no. That bullshit, right? <laughs> and eventually, they like, they, they like, well, we should go, like, we're going to do like a live action role play, and we're going to go fight, go down to the sewers and fight the, the, the Minotaurs, and he gets lost somewhere down there. And they find him, like, days later. And he's just like, I don't know where I am. And I'm like, the <laughs> fuck is this shit? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad, to say the least. That so. sounds pretty heavy-handed. Yeah, it's very heavy-handed. <laughs> I remember when I watched it, I'm just like, what is going on here? And I'm just like, this is dumb. I think I watched it, like, twice. And that was it. And I'm like, because I like the first part where they're like, we're having fun. We're playing a game. And I'm like, after that, I'm like, I'm, I'm done. This is It was so bad. <laughs> it was like one of those... Um, like one of those videos is like family feature films or whatever things yeah. like they really just they lay it on thick kind of thing. So but but yeah, they so the main setup of this, obviously we they change a few things around with this with the with the between the setting and the uh, gameplay with this. Um, obviously they just change names like DMs, keeper, the um, you guys are are investigators, um, which players, whatever it is. Uh, but other than that, they really, only things they change are the gaming mechanic, the game mechanics, like how you interact with things a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they just change the names, like a lot of things. Um, it's kind of a, it's a low skill system or a low, low heroism system. Yes. Very much. For character creation, you have like your six core stats that are renamed, but there's like a. There's like your strength, your constitution, your dexterity. Then there's an intelligence, an education, and like an appearance stat. Yep. And you literally like are, it's effectively like just rolling three d six down the table type thing. Yep. Uh, and you get zero to ninety ish scores in all those. Yep. And then, for most of the game, it's percentile dice. You yep. roll d percent, and if you roll under the threshold. Yep then you succeed and you spend your skill points. And I think at most you can have a 75 in a skill. 
Then 80. I think, I think 80. I've, seen, I've seen 80 is the highest. That's so if, if you, you dump if extra you in there. If you fully specialize, you'll be 80% likely to succeed. Now I can tell you in practice, you know, the characters are probably only getting 50s or 60s in the things they're actually wanting yeah. to be good at. And their secondary and tertiary skills might have a 25% chance of success. Yep. So it's uh, you will fail often and frequently. And that's... Yep. And that's baked, okay. Baked into the system, though. It's... To be fair, though, that's also a lot of like normal life, right? Yeah. You're not. You're, it's more like you said. It's granted that realism of like. It's not heroic fantasy. It's that you're you're going to have problems doing everything whenever you first, even if you're proficient in something. It's kind of like, um, oh, like it? building a computer. It's yeah. like the first time you built a computer, you probably you know messed up how you know, how you set it up or. Even like loading it up and having having your graphics card settings set up or like that, some you probably tweaked have to had to learn a few times down the road and tweak learn yeah. how to tweak it right. Um, even then, even now you do it again, you might mess up on something. Even though yeah. we've done this for several years, right? That's the whole that's the whole premise behind yeah. it. Like, um, and as a system, like it's primarily based around social interaction and exploration. Yes, very much. I mean, the the quintessential Cthulhu thing is kind of the mystery where. The investigators come into an area, they find something crazy happening, they investigate and explore it, and eventually there's a resolution at the end, which may or may not include a little bit of combat. Yes. Um, what combat there is, is extraordinarily deadly. Yes. And, like, your basic pistol does, like, 2d6 or 3d6 damage yeah. in one round, and the average person has, like, 8 to 10 hit points. Yeah, like nothing. Like, it's like, you can die really, really fast. <laughs> And that is why I I always whenever so, like you're you're heavily incentivized to avoid and mitigate danger wherever possible because even just like you know taking a risky jump and taking a d6 of damage is crippling. Yes, and that's why um, I'm interested to see how some of our players and I'm I'm talking hypothetic you know yeah. obviously some of the players that we have in our in our group. They're slanted more for the action-oriented stuff, mm -hmm. and I have a feeling in the next couple sessions when they try to do things, and there's a certain individual I'm fairly sure you know who I'm talking yeah. about. They're going to try to do things, and I think they're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> possibly, that's just me though. Because yeah, um, like, just because that's that's. It's like, are you really going to try to do X, Y, and Z whenever you're obviously like, yeah, you might be the best at this thing that you're doing, like sword fighting possibly, but are you really going to try and fight like three crazy guys with clubs and stuff? And that's like, exactly it. Like I made my character for this as like an ex-military guy, yeah. like the military husband. Yeah. And I, I made him fairly combat proficient, but I knew I was making the wrong decision as I did it. I mean... I did this for role-playing reasons. Yeah, well, and, so I was, and I'm tooting around a shotgun and stuff, and I'm sure when I fire it the one time for the campaign, it's going to be glorious. But at the end of the day, the person who invested in, you know, the spot skill probably is going to be more useful to the group. 100%, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... And to be fair, that's kind of why I was kind of surprised whenever... Um, uh, here, I'll just say... Shayna, she was really... I was really surprised when Shayna... Uh, Put more of a spot skill in. So did Terra actually. I was kind of surprised. Mm -hmm. They put a ton of like uh, points in that. I'm like, okay, that's good. I'm glad they did that. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to think of. I mean, Ke no, actually, Kelly did that too. You know, between her, those three, I was like, we're covered. And I'm like, this yeah, is great. Yeah, give you guys an idea of the best skills in Cthulhu: uh, library use, yeah, 
and spot hidden are probably your two core skills. But to be fair, those are also the skills that you're and, most and likely... Psycho and psychology, those three. That, yeah, well, those three are the most ones that are also the most likely to get you in trouble, in, in trouble with insanity points, too. So yeah. uh, it's always a fun... Well, and that's, again, the trade-off that completely death right? The, exactly, right? <laughs> knowledge will save you, but it will also destroy you. 100%. So, And that's actually something which the Keeper can do if you're playing a long-time campaign, is yes. that the further you push it, he will start to award you... Damage your sanity, and if yep. you really push it, he'll start to award you points in the Cthulhu Mythos skill. Yes. Which, again, is extraordinarily useful, but will just hasten your downfall. 100%. 100%. <laughs> it's like, congratulations, you've gained magic powers. Oh, yep. no. <laughs> and that's another thing that's in here, too. So they do have some magic-based skills in here, but you never get to use them without extremely detrimental consequences. Yes, you one, you can't start the game with them. Yes. And then two, even if you do manage to learn them, they will drive you insane in short order. Yes. Like, there's no succeeding on them. <laughs> Not at all. It's one of those things, like, I looked at it and I'm like, huh. I was like, I have yet to see, I would love to see a campaign where somebody tries to use it. Um, and I've been trying to find some videos of it. But, like, I think I maybe found one video of somebody actually having a character that's, like, super focused on the occultism side of the mm -hmm. stuff but like 90 percent of the other videos nobody even touches the occult or the the magic side of stuff because i guess it's just nobody's that i guess that um daring is the word i gotta <laughs> say for it so we'll well, go it's that. the type of game where you know recovering your d6 of hit points you hypothetically lost breaking an ankle or something takes yep. like a week in a hospital Yep, or months. Like it's not. It's a high realism game. So yeah, which I that's why I really enjoy about it. So let me ask you this: out of um, most of the RPGs, where would you rank this one on like enjoyability? I mean, obviously, it's got a different flavor than some of the other stuff. But I know, and every every RPG kind of has its own like point right of like yeah. why you want to play it but like just relatively so i find it extremely enjoyable i think as a system it is well designed to foster the sort of game it's trying to produce yes as opposed to something like dungeons and dragons like fourth edition it's like fifth edition yeah which is kind of a drack of all trades fantasy yeah. game i mean it's geared towards heroic fantasy but it's it's really kind of straddling the line between tactical game and heroic yep. game and social game. And it's kind of a jack-of-all-trades game. Yeah. I mean, this system is designed to produce a certain type of game, and it does it very well. Yes. So I find it extremely enjoyable when I'm looking for that sort of experience. Good. Uh, and so as an occasional spice-up to our year of gaming, it's it's great. I, I've always enjoyed our Cthulhu sessions immensely. <laughs> well, good. Cause Again, if we, if we tried to play a six-month straight... I don't know if I could handle it. It would be soul-crushing. It would be soul-crushing. That's thus its intended result. So Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think doing like this this short series of games is going to yes. be great. Uh, uh, I, I'm very much looking forward to finishing it all. Well, good. So that's what I said. That's kind of why I always get in those moods. Like, I don't know if sometimes I love, as I say, I love playing your guys' campaigns, but every once in a while I'm just like, I, would, I love the more role-playing style of stuff, which is kind of what they do in this. But I told Jackie when I got back the other night, I'm like, I'm just, like, mentally exhausted <laughs> from having to keep up with you guys. Oh, and that's, yeah, being the Dungeon Master is incredibly exhausting. Yes. Well, so between that and also, like, the, the back and forth, like, mat, like just, like, role-playing, 
you have to it's do. Because like you're trying to manage the story, you're trying to control the pace, and you have yep. to manage the personalities of everyone at the table. Oh, and then Lord. you're supposed to voice and act out six characters simultaneously. And then, exactly. oh, wait, we need to get to the next thing because I'm running out of time for the evening. And Yes. It's I, a lot of work. And I don't remember, I'm, I'm, Jackie said I paced it pretty good, but I was just like, man, I hadn't done that in, in probably, it was almost a year, about a little over a year. And I was just like, man, I haven't done this in a while. I'm so tired. <laughs> you did a very good job. And well, that's good. And I'm that's just, one thing I like about one shots or, or short campaigns yeah. is that they're inherently self-contained. Yeah. And I find them much easier to do a quality dime quality time dungeon mastering because the material is such that you can keep most of it in your head in one go. Mm -hmm. And I find that whenever you're DMing for a gigantic year-long campaign, you start writing there's just too much. You have to write lots of notes and then you're flipping through pages of notes and eventually the dungeon master screws up and does something they shouldn't because yep. they failed to keep track of the big picture. Yep. And I did that on my last campaign that I ran and I profoundly regretted it and it's just like it's... Yeah, I. It's it why I'm trying to. I'm going to encourage our group this year to try and do like one or two months shorter things because I, I find, tend to find them more enjoyable. I think anyway. Yeah, well, it also it also gives other people I mean, a chance to kind of expand those uh, uh, to play different characters. abilities in, in different different settings. It's like, and it's different things they might like. So, like maybe you know, I'm not a big fan of it, but maybe one of the people in our group was like, I want to play the Vampire of the Masquerade. And I'm just like, we'll talk about we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, it's the same way I am. I'm like, I'm, it's not really my thing. I'm like, cool, I like the concept of like it, but it's way too like sexualized in my opinion. Yeah. But anyways. But I have enjoyed yeah. dabbling in some of these not like, as heroic campaigns. Yeah. Like we did the, the Star Wars one. We did the Star Wars one. I love that. And I think I played a banker in that. And yes. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. It, it, uh, it was, it was nice. Now, one thing, and this is getting off topic now, which we always do. What are you talking about? Um, we're, always, we're always on topic, James. Matt Coville just yeah. posted a Kickstarter for a new RPG he's making. Which okay. is going to be explicitly high heroic fantasy. Oh, wow. And so, for example, as you do challenges, you gain victories. And the more victories you have under your belt, the stronger your characters get, and the more their powers unlock. Cool. And then when you take a rest, which for his thing is like, you know, 12 hours to a week, it's like a serious rest. Yeah. Then your victories turn into experience points. Oh, that's cool. And so rather than your characters getting weaker as they spend resources in D&D, you actually get stronger the further you push your luck. Huh. But you do have limited healing resources, so it's like <laughs> the further you push it, you know, you get more and more heroic and more and more badass. But you're also pushing yourself closer to the edge. <laughs> All right, it's, I it's, like that. There's, a there's bit. very little out about it. He's got like a hour long video on his channel, and he's got some mocked up pages. But I already backed it. He's to be fair though, he's a genius and this kind of stuff. I mean, he's a professional writer with like thirty years under his belt, but he's also a game designer. This would yes. be like. This is not his first product. He's no. put out like four or five fifth edition type products, and yep. so uh, he's got the he's got the the backing, and he's got the company for it. And I think it'll be cool. Anyway, I, we, I thought about that because we were talking about game systems designed to do one thing well. Yeah, and I find that the older I get, the more I'm trending towards that. I would rather play something that is well defined. Yes, because the thing with something like fifth edition D and D is that you can do anything with five e. But at some point, you have to ask yourself, why did I, as the dungeon master, do an extra 30 hours of work to shoehorn 
this square peg into this round hole. That's how I feel about it sometimes. And it is fun. I feel like it's a good, it's a good setting if you're introducing somebody to role playing. Oh yeah, it's so nice. I, I'm not trying to detract from Five E D and D. It's it's a great system. Yeah, it does what it wants to do, and it's it's a very approachable, usable system. But I guess in my in my opinion. For some, for a group of people like us that have been playing for such a long time, especially you and I, we're kind of, I'm kind of getting worn out on this whole kind of mythical European fantasy world. Yeah, it's gotten to be bad. A hundred percent. I'm, I find myself wanting to play more and more indefensible characters to spice things up. <laughs> I, and I get that. And you can. That's the thing, though. Too, you can always get it to where you can. Um, and I feel like at a certain point, that's I, that's why I, if I would run to a, run a campaign like D&D, or like a, especially a 5e campaign, I think I might get a little blowback because I like to, I like to make it slightly challenging, slightly more challenging, and put it to the point where you might actually like wipe. Which you 5e know? doesn't do very well. No, they don't. You that's can, why I like 3.5 quite yeah. a bit. And I like that about the Pathfinder system is that you can definitely wipe in Pathfinder. Oh, yeah. But the complexity of Pathfinder was a bit much for our group, and I, yeah. it got to where managing the rules of the system took more energy than it was worth. It, it did start to lean on that a little I bit. Would have, it would have been better to just play second edition D&D or something. Yeah, like yeah. I like something more challenging. I find that I also, over time, have gotten more interested in culture. Mm-hmm. As part of the DM experience, I like building cities and building cultures yes. for the players to explore. And I've I've been toying around with the idea in my head of playing like a one culture campaign or yeah. at least putting some limits on party composition like saying, hey, you guys are going to be a party of all dwarves or something. Because yeah. I think having the... Cons- creativity is born of constraint, we'll put it that way. Yes, very much so. And I I find that it's very hard for me to kind of provide that experience whenever there's always an oddball or two who's like, I'm a dwarf from the second continent away, and I'm like, well, forget everything I just made, because this doesn't... Yeah, really, that doesn't help. How did you get over here? It's like, you know, okay, this is dumb, you kind of think, you know I, I completely understand that. Anyway, we've, we've, we've trailed a long way. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. So... Talking about like kind of some of the where those like a lot where a lot of these uh, uh, RPGs kind of like boil up from a necessity of being more of a, a a focused type of RPG. So this was really interesting. I thought that you know this this uh, RPG has been around for some time. So originally it was called the Dark uh, was uh, they called it uh, Dark Worlds is what they originally called it, mm-hmm. uh, but they never published it. Um, but after, this is back in like 81, this has been years ago. Um, so they actually, uh, the lady named by the name of uh, Sandy, uh, Sandy Peterson, she contacted, uh, Chaosium and asked them about regarding them, a, uh, having them write a supplement for the popular fantasy game Rune Quest set in Lovecraft's Dreamlands. Um, and that's kind of where they, they ended up taking over and started writing, uh, uh, the kind of Call of Cthulhu game, and it actually didn't. They ended up taking this supplement and ended up making it more of a fully formed system after mm-hmm. the fact. Because that's where a lot of these these games were back in the day. Is they were either supplements and then, 
or they they were they were half cocked ideas that came off of a supplement or um, they did they just allow with um, the old D and D stuff like yeah. people the old modules that people made from they people would break off like oh, I really like this module I'm gonna and I like how they change the systems up in this a little bit and they make it something else but mm. it was really interesting but but yeah over time obviously like everything else it's gone it went through several systems the main main thing I will point out though that I believe it was the um, the one of the editions was not well received I can't remember if it was sixth or fifth but I can't remember but anyways. Um, they did do some major alterations in, for uh, the seventh edition, which is this. Apparently, the way that they they run these campaigns and the rules that they have set up. If you look at some of the like even like sixth or fifth editions, um, and I kind of dabbled in a little bit, I looked at it a little bit. They they have some significant changes in it, like the way you're able to regain points is significantly harder. Like if you thought it was hard, like to do it, like yeah. this time, they, I think they kind of like mellowed it just a tiny bit yeah. so that people would come in. Cause I think not as many people were as interested in it because it was hitting that wall of like, eh, like this is not even, it's not even fun anymore. Like, yeah, that, it's kind of the, noticing. the more modern audience is less interested in the super, super gritty games in general. Yeah. Like uh, something a little more approachable tends to be favored now. Very much so, yeah. And I, especially the crunchiness of the system. No, yeah, 100%. But, but yeah, just kind of the reception whenever this came out in the 80s, um, even up to now, um, most people loved this. Obviously, they said, even just for uh, the artwork they had in it, because even um, D&D at the time, uh, the old D&D, like first and second editions, they had, they had art, they kind of made it a staple, right? You have artwork in the books to describe <laughs> things, um, except maybe the very, very first books that guy gats came out with i'm sure it was just pages of notes <laughs> just like and just tables and things like that yeah. not a maybe except for the cover on it um but that's kind of like the stereotype or the 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 stereotype of these books now are the um the not the stereotype the uh, uh the pedestal that you have to hit yeah. that, that let that tier you have to artwork hit. is part of an rpg's presentation 100 percent. yeah uh, mentioning the matt cobalt thing you should Look at some of the kind of numbers he's talking about. What they spend on artwork, it's like it's a, it's a lot. It's a large portion of the development of their yep. books. It's just the artwork of the book. Well, itself. it's because it draws the person in, and they're like, "Oh, that looks interesting," and that it sucks them mm-hmm. in. So, um, but yeah, obviously, uh, over the years, they've won several awards for uh, just implementing and ongoing this kind of stuff. But it, it's it's one of those things. It's so much so that um, this setting was actually been adapted. Uh, a couple times, I think, to video games. Um, they actually came out with a video game a while back, just straight up called Call of Cthulhu, where you a uh, where you're a, a guy walking around, uh, kind of investigating a um, a uh, kind of the a horror or a set of horror mysterious things going on in a place called the Sunken City. It's, yeah. it's one of those things. It's really interesting, and you kind of interact with some of those uh, old gods here and there, but. Um, I think I actually bought it. I haven't played it yet, but I need to. I need to play it at some yeah, point. But I think they said in, in 2021 on Roll20, Call of Cthulhu was the second most popular game, right after yep. Dungeons and Dragons. And it's just, uh, I think, kind of in the general atmosphere of despair of our modern era. <laughs> we talk about it, James. Uh, Cthulhu is uh, hitting harder than ever. So yeah, 100. percent Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's. Uh, this type of cosmic horror is almost mainstream now. You can see it all over the place. Yeah, I, so much so that... Right now, people are more kind of 
dabbling with the aesthetic of it, I think, more than the actual philosophy of it. But yes. it's, uh, because, like I said, to really understand what they're talking about is soul crushing. But uh, that's <laughs> definitely, why... definitely the aesthetic of it is quite gotten quite popular. Um, we talking about it's, it's Cthulhu of, plushies. What are you talking it's about? It's something of a meme with K-pop songs now too. For yeah, very example, much so. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that a little bit. I was kind of like, "What the fuck is going on with this?" But whatever, you know what? Hey, you know what? You know, Koreans, you do your thing. Have fun with it. So, but yeah. Either way, though, James, uh, I thoroughly enjoy this system. I would highly recommend anybody that is looking for a different system other than your standard D and D. Go out and check it out. It's a fun system. A lot of the stuff, a lot of the rule sets you can find online for free. Um, I was lucky enough to let you, you guys actually bought this for Christmas for mm-hmm. a while ago. Um, you actually got me uh, the keeper tile and everything like that. It was really cool when I'm, I'm actually looking at trying to buy some more of the uh, modules because I just, I just, I want to have. Well. I will say if you do want to play this, I would highly recommend you read at least one HP Lovecraft story first. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, they, David mentioned like watching Hellboy and stuff, and they're adjacent. Yeah, but uh, the end's it's mouth still. Will- it's not quite the same. The Innsmouth yeah. Horror, for example, has an excellent uh, theatrical like audiobook thing that you yes. can get on Audible. Yes. It's fairly short. It's like an hour or something. It's not very long. Most of those but stories it is, it are is incredibly well done. Yeah, most of his most of his stuff is they're like short stories. Yeah. And they pile them all together. Uh, and beside putting aside H.P. Lovecraft's political and personal views, he's a very good author. He's a terrible person. But he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's a wonderful author. Very wonderful. terrible. He's, he's a, a wonderful author, though. Yes, he's a wonderful author. This, you, can, you can you can definitely see it bleed through through all this stuff, and it, and it definitely instills that fear in you. But but yeah, even if um another one you could even look at if you want to watch something more a little bit more modern, or even just watch something, um, John Carpenter's The Thing is a prime example yeah. of that um, of that kind of uh, idea. But yeah, I love that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, go out and check it out, guys. Um, James, before we head out. How many uh, cultists of Yogmoth would you give this out of 10? It's at least an eight tentacle work, I think. At least an eight tentacle work. I like it. It's I, good. It's very, very good. It's, it does what it wants to do very well. Yep. It is a niche thing. It's not something I could play forever. Yep. But I'm reaching the age where I would rather have a little bit of a good thing than a lot of a bad thing. So I and enjoy on, this a lot. And on that note, we're not going to so we don't give you too much of a bad thing. <laughs> We're going to sign off and we'll see you guys next week. James, thanks for coming in and waxing uh, tentacle philosophy with me today. So, so many multiple, multiple eyes and multiple tentacles. <laughs> anyway, I'm resisting the urge to make a waxing tentacle joke. But <laughs> since you brought that up. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, went, I was trying to be good and not talk about tentacles this whole time, but it just, it all spilled out. It spilled time. out. You know how it is, but anyway, guys. Thanks for coming to listen to me. We'll see you guys next time. See you, James. If you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes on our channel, add us on any of your favorite podcasting apps or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Seriously Pointless Conversations. If you have questions or concerns, please email us at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening to our show.